0: My guest today is a living legend and her name is Beth Ann Hardison. Beth Ann has had many lives in the fashion world. She was one of America's first high-profile black runway models in the 1970s and in 1984 she created her own model agency that represented all ethnicities but focused on more people of color and bringing them into the fashion world. Her tireless work has resulted in much more inclusivity in fashion. And she's credited with mentoring the careers of people like Naomi Campbell, Tyson Beckford, Iman, and Rihanna. These days, Beth Ann remains very busy consulting for fashion institutions like Gucci and the Council of Fashion Designers of America. You can also find her working on her autobiography, which I know I'm gonna order as soon as I can. I got to speak to Beth Ann about how she took advantage of every opportunity that came her way, why she loves Harry Styles and BTS as well as her thoughts on who deserves to be called a supermodel. Bethann, I'm so happy that we're speaking because even though we've known each other for a very long time, interviewing you has given me an opportunity to research you. And I mean, I've always been super impressed by you and adored you. And just reading everything that you've done in your life, I was... I was like, I knew there's a reason I love this woman. (laughs) (laughs) So it's been a real treat because we know each other personally through our many mutual friends. and, And I knew a bit about you, of course, who could know you and not know a bit about you. But it was certainly so interesting to read just how many years you've been advocating and your own personal experience starting with being one of the first African-American models to appear in magazines like Allure
1: and Harper's Bazaar and Vogue. Let me let me just clarify something Amanda they do have that written in places that's not true though. Okay (laughs) thanks (laughs) for (laughs) clarifying. You know, I I see that sometimes and I I see people write that and I go and I always have to correct it. I said, that's not true. I was a runway model and I was, uh, I guess, considered successful because I was a great image for the runway and for the designers I worked with. And I always like to clarify it because it's very easy to have been. Well, it wasn't easy to be a print girl, but it's very easy to give all that energy to that. But truth of it is, I never want to let go of the fact that runway models were, were queen back in the day. Hmm, and that's they're very important, you know. And so I stay in my lane. Even though when people photograph me now, they say, "Oh, you're such a supermodel." I go, "Please, that word was only meant for four people." <laughs> Who were those four? It was Christy, Linda, Naomi, and Cindy. And 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 the trifecta was really Cindy, Linda, and and Naomi. And then eventually, you know. Um, But there were other girls who, Tatiana, those girls eventually became like, but the ones, the name that was dropped on, those few were because of that moment in time. But those three girls with their names became synonymous with pop culture. People started, you know, people started knowing who they were. People who had nothing to do with fashion would know who those girls were. And back in the day, that didn't exist with models.
0: Yeah, those are the girls that I grew up when I was like a teenager. Those were the girls that I grew up knowing about and knowing their names. And, you know, those were, yeah, those were the household names. If you thought
1: of like model, supermodel, those were the girls you thought of. Yeah. And that's because the name was given, the name was, they. that moniker was given to them uh, because they became super, as I was being interviewed the other day, I was saying <clears throat> they super, superseded the other models. And that's mm-hmm. what made them stand out. And so mm-hmm. that's what gave them that name, because was a, it was a moment in time these girls came along, and that happened. They were like like our fashion rock stars.
0: They still kind of are in, in a way. Yes,
1: because they have legacy.
0: Yeah, legacy is so important. Well, let's talk a little bit about your legacy. So mm-hmm. at the time when though we're talking about the kind of first supermodels, really. At that time, that was the kind of mid-80s, early 90s. Did you have your own
1: fashion agency at that point? I had a model agency. Mm -hmm. I had a model agency that I started in 1984, and the model agency I did for 13 years until 1996. And then I stepped away from that, kept my office down in Tribeca. I moved into that office in nineteen eighty four had the agency um and then uh yeah, you were probably the first person to
0: represent models in that were diverse, i'm assuming
1: yeah that 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 really um I would say. With more uh, consciousness, like, you know, not really being conscious, but naturally conscious because I was a woman of color. My agency was truly a white agency. Yes, predominantly white kids. But the, key, the ones who started the agency with me were actually, if you, if you had to count, they were more diverse than they were white. But when, it, when I continued the lane, I, I, I knew I had to compete with my white counterpart. So I, it was more important to make sure that I didn't fall into a hole and i competed with exactly what i knew i could do so yes there was a diversity that existed more with me because i started with you know uh asian girls and uh asian uh latina girls and uh nick came along with me at that time and he started the agency with nick nick came in and, and um i had you know uh an Wait, african nick girl nick started the
0: name. agency with you yeah Okay, just for our listeners to know,
1: Nick and Take a moment, huh? Yeah, it's a hard one. You know, it's not. That was that that was really the hardest. I'm I'm someone who was raised to believe in death and, and stuff, but Nick's getting sick. You know, I was through the whole journey because he was he was of see every time I go to London, he'd always see me, and he was supposed to come see me one afternoon right before I was leaving, and he he didn't come, and I didn't understand what happened and he called me from the hospital that was the first time he didn't know what was wrong he just said I'm really feeling bad my, and I just had to come to the hospital they want to keep me so I said okay I'll try to get by before I leave tomorrow tell me the name of the hospital blah 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 but then he called me back and he said listen don't come they they just try to do some tests and then the journey started yeah
0: oh Bethan. so just for our listeners to know um Nick and it was hard it's it's hard for me to say was yeah because I want to say is but yeah. Nick Kamen was Bethan's very dear friend and my boyfriend for many years and my dear beloved friend and he died recently from cancer yeah. and yeah. um yeah I haven't really spoken about this so
1: yeah it's a hard one I, yeah that just it's funny people pass and You know, they're very close to you. But, you know, this one was really hard for me. And everyone who knew him, knew me, knew it would be. He'd come back to consider uh, agencies that he had met. And um, he had met me at Click. But then he found that I had left and I was starting an agency on my own. And he came to found me in in 1984 (laughs) when I had nothing in it yet. Here's this crazy black woman talking about she's gonna do a model agency. I'm thinking everybody's thinking I'm probably doing a a den of ill repute, you know, <laughs> <laughs> prostitution <laughs> ring or something. <laughs> and uh, he 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 came and he talked to me and and I and I wanted him so badly. I mean, who was more beautiful than Nick Kamen? I tell you. And he was so cool, you know. He was yeah. He said, you think you can do this? I said, I think I can. I, I had no experience other than, you know, being a little bit, of being a booker at this agency. and But everybody made me do this agency. And so here I was doing it. And I had six girls in him. Wow. I had no idea, Bethann. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a reveal, no? Yeah, it is. He really trusted me. He said, okay. He said, okay, we're going to do this. I said, oh, God, you really really? He said, yes, let's do it. And, uh, you know, it was just a great journey because I wind up doing well, you know, you know, Nick was a
0: beautiful mix of races and had his own, you know, experiences with not fitting in places and being judged and being excluded because of his beautiful mix of races. Yeah. So I think he always was drawn to people who, also understood and advocated you know you were such you were and are such a big advocator for so many people in the fashion industry just to start with
1: yeah yeah we had a good time in that in the ability to be able to do so and you know starting out at that very moment yeah you know I guess it was this. I guess it was just me for who I was and who I was meant to what I was meant to do And sometimes it's just that. It's your journey and someone is meant to be on it. And you meet people for a reason. Um, And oftentimes, you know, to bring him into the state was really wonderful. But he was having such a career in London. Um, So we we built off each other in many good ways, you know. So, yes, I have had a great influence on people who were not even with me. You know, I, I do recognize that. And many others do, too. I mean, I didn't have to have him being... Um, my model, per se, uh, to give influence or to be their mamacita or their their person that would mentor or guide. Yeah, that was something that seemed to come natural and was part of my existence. Well, I would say that were there any other Black
0: women running agencies when you started? No, in the exactly. Yeah, exactly. I had, who else was
1: that a go to but you? Yeah, that's exactly right. And but many people, um, I had a lot of, you know, people who sometimes, when I start doing kind of really well in some way, there'd be a lot of white kids who were parents were bringing their children or girls who were wanting to come to me. And if they went to see the white agency first, that was known. Uh, they would say, oh, because everyone had, knew I had a great reputation. So everybody would say good things about me and say, oh, yeah, she's lovely because they didn't want to ever say anything bad. They couldn't. But then they would say, you know, but, you know, she really represent mostly black, uh, blacks, you know, and which was not true. I made sure I didn't represent mostly blacks. <laughs> I was. Well, determined. you wouldn't have been able to maintain a Succeed. business. Exactly. At that point, I really would not have. And and I knew exactly what I had to do. I had to bring more people of color, whether it be Asian, Latin or Black, onto the arena. And having a white model agency, I'd have more power doing it. So smart. So smart. Bethan.
0: you have been pioneering from an early age. What do you think it is within you that from so early on in your life was sparked this desire to create positive
1: change. That's an interesting question because you, you asked that and um you know there's questions like that are asked from time to time and I promise you I think that certain people just come to Earth to do certain things. Because surely um I didn't you know in school you you were a person who basically could always, you know, um be the person who sort of made sure everybody got along or, you know, uh, you, you I was a leader. You know, I was in a gang. <laughs> I was, I did it all. You know, I ran track. I was a well-known tap dancer, child. Ta- I did everything. When I go to high school, I became, I decided to go to a school that was beyond me an all white school. You also, were
0: bus- you were also the first black cheerleader in your school? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. I d- went out for, cheer- for cheerleading and determined, <laughs> determined to get on that squad and I got down to the last five and they just, I, I guess I was meant to get on because I think you this, were. Yeah. This little girl, girl that I was trying out with, she got on too. Cause we were down to the last five, a little girl who became like my best friend there, a little Jewish girl. And I promise you, we were so thrilled when they said yes to us because our, our cheerleading squad went to the basketball games at Madison square Garden Cause we had a great basketball team. So, you know, we got a chance to get on the floor and really perform well. It wasn't just limited, you know, to our little gymnasium. No, that, yeah, there are a lot of accomplishments I had in, in high school. And I I was supposed to go to the performing arts high school and got in for drama. But when I saw this guy come to our school in Bedford-Stuyvesant Junior High School 35 and talk about this new school, I right away t- went home and told my mother. I said, "I'm, I'm going to go to this other school." She said, "But you, you didn't you have to audition for that other school, are not you?" I thought she was so excited. I said, "Well, I was, but something about this other place meant I should go there." And going to that high school was the best decision I made because I, I you know, I just I led. I became a leader. People, the school classes would elect me for things, and it was just great. So you're a natural born leader from when you were a kid from a, from a time that I, now that I'm writing and talking about my life, I recognize that, Mm -hmm. you know, you start thinking, you start seeing from seventh grade to eight, you know, from seven year old, eight years old, the things that you did and and how you were protected by some of the boys, Mm -hmm. how people took care of you, how things were. And yeah, no, I I saw that too. I, I recognize that, you know, growing up in it, you don't see any of it. As you asked the question, did you, ever realized that you were going to be this person that would be in such an influence in any kind of way or stand up and try to make a difference nah but as you look back you can start to say oh yeah but look what you did here look what you you know like that
0: you have consistently moved the needle for people of color since you started having your career but Something that I learned about you, which I did not know, is that you also worked in a prison. Has anyone ever talked to you
1: about that? Yeah, I, I don't like to talk about it. So you can talk about it because you already said it. But I got it. You got to get that to I, I don't know why I don't like to talk about it. I, but now I guess I have. I, it's OK in some way. I, don't, I, I always I did. I worked in a, a um, I wanted to be a lawyer when I was a kid, a teenager. And my father used to say all the time, you know, you should really be a lawyer. And every time I'd argue a point. And I was on a, a great debating team in school. So I thought so. But I saw this film called uh, Snake Pit once. Uh, very intense film, black and white, about these women in prison. And uh, it, it sort of got me thinking, OK, there's a way you can help people. And I had a boyfriend when I was about 19, 20 years old, 19, 18, 19 years old. And his mother worked as a correction officer. And I talked to her once about it because I thought maybe that's how, because I couldn't, I wasn't going to go to law school. Maybe that's how I could help people. I was thinking I was going to be helping people. Oh, my God. And I took the test for the corrections because she gave me the background story. She told me what I should do. But I was 20 when I could take it, and you had to be 21 to be uh, appointed. So I, I took it and I passed. And then they told me they would appoint me when I was 21, and they did. So I was like the youngest uh, officer. And it was for the state of New York, and it was at Bedford Hills uh, Correction Center facilities. But because I was also young, they put me into the, um, 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 the place where the youngest prisoners, mm-hmm. juveniles. And yeah. what
0: was that experience like for you?
1: Oh, scary. i tell you in what ways. Because they, when I first went in, you know, first, the, my lieutenant kept me in her office and she let me, she'd teach me things around. She kept me around as long as she could, I think for about, maybe about three weeks. And she would teach me how to arrange, give me little odd jobs, to do like arranging flowers, doing different things. And eventually they had to put me into what is called like a cottage. And <clears throat> it's, um, the reformatory is down the down the road from the women's state prison. Um, and so the reformatory is where the cottages were of the uh, younger offenders or less offenders. And going in the first day I had to go, boy, oh boy, I was nervous as hell. Was it but all women? All women, yeah, all women. And they were, you know, they just ignored me. I was younger than most of them. Um, <laughs> And also, I had went in there with a tough, you know, facade, face, and attitude, and it worked pretty decently. But they also could ignore me because they didn't trust that I was going to do anything. And you were there for two years, right? Yeah, I went. I went there for the first year. I was there, and then eventually, um, they start to make rumors about me. Some of the uh, inmates, they're going to get me transferred and stuff. So my lieutenant. Took the opportunity of putting me in the prison, but at night, so I wouldn't come in contact with the the, uh, the prison female prison inmates. She put me there at night, so that was the that was worse than being with the young girls, who were like. But at, at, at a certain point, I had a handle on them. Um, mm-hmm.
0: Well, I just it, want you to know that when I was 15, I did some time in juvie and I really would have been so happy to have gotten you as my correctional yeah, exactly. officer. We could yes. have met a bit sooner.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's true, it's right? true because it, I'm telling you the the screaming at night when the women are sleeping and remembering murder and the murdering that who they murdered and all that, listening to that at night and you can't sleep and you got to be up all night, you know. But the, 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 the girls were, were good in the end. It's just that some of them wanted to give me a hard time. And eventually one got a crush on me and one and a couple of them used that to get me out because I would make sure if they did anything wrong, I would punish them, have them punished. Yeah, so it's interesting.
0: You, it really is. And I'm curious how you went from working in a prison to working
1: in the fashion industry. How did that well, jump that, happen? Yeah, that was just a that. That's why I, I really am going to have that taken out of my. I think I mentioned in my book, maybe I mentioned, it. I have to, I guess I did when I'm writing, but I like to take it off because it makes no sense. But I think, was- does, I think it does, Bethan. I think it's really just, like what, honestly,
0: just, I, found, I find that so interesting because it, it appears to be so random. Yeah. But what you just said was you were interested in helping people. Yeah. And, I was and so coming, you didn't know yeah. what avenue, you didn't know what that was going to look like. And the yeah. only thing that was presented in front of you was a correctional officer so yeah. you were like, oh, maybe I could help people that way. Ultimately, yeah. your desire to help people has been the through line of your entire career, starting with being a correctional officer. So <laughs> for me, it makes a lot of sense.
1: Well, in, in the essence of it, uh, I, I find I, when I first noticed that it was in my, on my website or something, somebody told me, I was like, where'd you hear this? They said, it's on your website. I said, it is? And then I thought, okay, well, going back to um, with your, your, your statement. Oh yeah, how did I jump from one to the other? Yes, it wasn't like a jumping. First of all, I come out of I come from the, the garment business and I, I like to clarify that always because you know the fashion industry, this world that everyone is so um under its umbrella to the point that if you saw as I always say, if you saw a button on a shirt, people say they're in the fashion industry. Yeah, right. You know, and for me it's um the garment industry is such a wonderful place to have come from. Um, and to learn from, and I learned so much. I was just looking for a job after I got out of um, uh, out of Bedford Hills and all. I just, you know, once again, you go back to the New York Times, look through the unemployment section, see what's available, and I saw something that was in uh, was a button factory, and uh, and it was in the garment district. And I went, I got, and I got an appointment, and I applied for it, and that was the beginning of me being in the industry. Of apparel, mm. wow! What a journey you've
0: had, and and you're still working. You're still working. I mean, yeah. it's incredible to me that that you've had such a phenomenon, and you still have such a vibrant career. How many years have you been working now?
1: You know, it's interesting uh, to say this, um, Amanda, because of my Bethan.
0: I'm so happy you find my questions interesting. I really am. If you did not, I would be feeling like I was letting you down here.
1: <laughs> no, it really is because uh, my driver who picked me up today, he had deceased from uh, um, India. Karachi, in fact, I think Karachi. in fact, And he's known me for a little while. He said, he said this conversation that you basically had with me, how he has, and his wife are so impressed with me because of the fact that I live alone. And I go into this mountain, this this forest and live in this house by myself. He's always so concerned for me. He doesn't see me with family around me. He doesn't see I have a mate, per se. And he just wonders, at this age, you just told me, he didn't pick me up, but I just went to Italy for four days, came back, went to a gala, went to Harry Styles' show the next night. Then flew Damn, down Bethan, and then and then flew one down night Harry Detroit. Styles, one night Harry Styles, then flew down to to Detroit to go to the Malcolm X uh, Opera, and then come back. He said, "Who does that? Someone that doesn't
0: have a partner and a bunch of kids."
1: <laughs> it <laughs>
0: That's <helps>. The truth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. It helps. So I think it really is. It is something that has has been a quite a, an interesting thing to me too. I mean. You know, you recognize your time on earth and you, you're you happy, as my doctors all are, that, God, you're just something we need to clone because you're just healthy. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there are things that begin to ache and your body, you know, just start to, you know, compress and you start to, you know, find things that are just so, not as nimble and not as quick. I I I mentally, I really do do this. I, I follow, I'm a big fan of BTS, the, the K-pop band and i oh my watched. god i'm learning so much about you yeah it's a very important thing to to be inspired by this things. is an important
0: Ann fact that we <laughs> need to we need to we need to have
1: this on your website <laughs> this is special sure. you need to, because it helps me because um because they're great dancers and because of it i just watch just because i can do all the steps in my head i'm a dancer and I, I and then you try to do some of them. You can do some of them, you know, if you get up because I can always still move and dance. So I think the important thing really is like how you you live your life, and uh, how important you make your life to you, you know. Um, and not I'm lucky that I'm not much of a follower. I don't I, I have you know I don't go down the yellow brick road so easily. I yeah, you've to, created your own path. Yeah, I mean, I, I am truly. Uh, normally I mean I know you're a trailblazer
0: he, I'm just yes. going to say it Bethan. you yeah. are an OG trailblazer and you have brought so many people along with you and that is your compassionate heart that has wanted so many people who have been on the sidelines to be able to succeed
1: That's interesting good point you like that <laughs> no, <it's>, point too <laughs> yeah yeah no it's a good point I mean you do care very much about many other people and it is something you have to have a great deal of natural compassion uh for others and I think it's and and not be as as judgmental I think judge being judgmental comes when you're older and surely I I find that I could live a lot with less and I think that comes from deciding what what you need and what you don't. And I do think it's important to, I'm lucky enough to to live a more useful mind. Uh, And I think that has a lot to do with helps me a lot to be who I am too. And most of the people that I'm surrounded by are much far younger than I, because that's just the way it's always been. I mean, I am a mama secret to many people and you are and, and it really just comes that way. And, There are not many people. Like, I mean, how many people am I going to get to go see Harry Styles with me? Well, I think, yeah, I don't know. You know, I
0: think you probably had quite a few people (laughs) who would have done that, though. You know, well, if you had the tickets, if you were holding the tickets for Harry Styles one night only, I can think of, I bet you had a few people who wanted that ticket.
1: Well, you know what's more important? What I'm trying to do, I'm working on right now, is to try to get management to please come come back to the point that he needs to be seen in a small venue. Mm. So I've been talking about this for a while now. So now I, I haven't gotten a chance to write back and tell them, you know, how much I enjoyed and all that, but they know yeah. I'm coming at them again. As Harry used to say to me, just keep, I tell him, I said, I'm poking, I'm poking Jeff, I'm poking him. He said, keep poking, keep poking. Cause I really yeah. think that there be more, more, more people a little bit more serious would appreciate hearing what I know about him. Before uh, you know, before going into a in a stadium and being with those screaming uh, fans, that's not the moneymaker, You know, it's, it's like... not the other one's not the moneymaker. But no. since they're making so much money, they could just slice like a David Bowie would do. They could slice in a a moment or two in small venues because they have nothing to lose. You know, he's going to yeah. do fifteen nights at at Madison Square. Go oh, on. I, I know. That. I
0: heard that the other day. I My mean, husband, the Strokes did one night there and we were talking about how Harry Styles was doing 15 and how just yeah. epic that was. Yeah, but hang on is. a second. You mentioned David Bowie. I yes. interviewed Iman and yes. you yes. were part of that interview too. Yes. It,
1: yeah, was really, that...
0: it, was, um, it was a beautiful honor to be able to interview her because what an incredibly iconic woman who also shared such immense lasting and deep love with her husband David Bowie and it was oh, such a yeah. beautiful um Just, honor for me to be able to interview you both together that was yeah, a couple that, years ago
1: that's right that was the first I think that's the first interview she talked about mm-hmm. she had, first interview she had done since then yeah yeah I remember we very going, well I think, I think we were going to be went either before going to Paris. After. Yeah, no, that's very true. Yeah. He was very dear to me too. Um, um, but there, 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 that's what I'm saying. Someone like he, I mean, you get a you get an opportunity, like it's rare that any, I don't know if any who's ever done 15 nights at Madison square garden. And I, I honestly, I know Billy Joel will do five or maybe six, maybe 10. Yeah, 15. I mean that's 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 that you think you can pull that and that's twenty what is it, twenty thousand seats or something? Yeah, it's huge. I, I, and I've already done I've already done October, uh Harry. Uh I've done now this one. And going back, I'll be just going to just see, um, you know, I want to see Def Hines. I do want to see him open. Oh yeah, him. he's great. And this is a big thing for him because he too doesn't do this. So it's gonna be interesting for them to see, but at it's... some point he needs, to, he needs to really let people know. People say, oh, what? You really love him that much? Because they haven't heard what I've heard. They don't listen to him. So I, I discovered him when I could just hear him. I love that. So
0: your, your point of view and your perspective at this stage of the game is so on point. You're like an oracle <laughs> or something.
1: You really are. I have no, to remember that. that. That's what Debbie Smith call, has called me for the last 15 years. Oh, well, I'm late the to horrible. the party on
0: that, but I no, just got to remember it. this because yeah. when, I'm, when I'm really struggling with making a decision that I need to be coming to you. So one of the things that I wanted to draw attention to is that we're living in a time where there is more representation of diverse perspectives and points yeah. of view. we've ever seen yes and your work has been a large part of that shift and continues to be but what would you say to someone who is from a background that would not usually allow them entry into the world how it's been which is a very exclusive world what would you say to someone who is maybe looking at the current climate and saying, maybe there's a space for me here finally?
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, the truth be told, depending on what industry you're talking about, you know, everything's a go. I mean, you always have to think everything's a go. The The, the important thing of it is, is it's important to, to have something to give. And it's, it's really important to really work hard at something. And, I, I, not everyone's going to get through the. I always call it the tunnel. I, I, many people used to say to me when they used to see me, especially once I started my model agency and I was more visible. They saw me with dreads, long dresses, and I would go to schools to talk. and I used to do this 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 teaching at uh, uh, Parsons, and they say to me, "Wow, Miss, wow, that's interesting. You black woman with dreads too, boy. How did you get into that industry?" Well, first of all, I, I work in the fashion industry. It's not—it's not like going into a corporate situation. It—it's uh, it's a little different. It's a little bit more lenient. And even then, you think about it, people sometimes our industry erases the industry of fashion erases things. You don't notice it, but you know there was a time in this uh, this the the sixties and seventies where things start to change, even in that industry, where because New York and fashion and moment in time where things were really meant to change because of the movement prior to that, you know, when Black was beautiful, that 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 there was a saying before Black Lives Matter. And so they were naturally pushed from the Panthers and all to just make sure that naturally whites began to embrace a lot of Black culture. So there was a lot of that then, and that's why you could see so many there was a model agency called Black Beauty. A lot of actors and actors came out of that, that you would see, like the, the guy who was the lead in, 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 in Shaft, was, he was in that agency. He was a model. So there were a lot of that that, ha- that existed. And then something changes, waves move in this industry. Well, in every area, I think that you can feel confident that right now things have opened up a lot. I still say to everyone, especially designers and designers, please, you know, recognize the fact that no one's going to last forever. Do your best to be the one that does. Mm. Because people need to really, especially in our industry where there are people called to design apparel or houseware, wherever. But I, my, my neighborhood is apparel. So when you're in that area, you have to know that it's, but so it's limiting. And it's a hard business to be in and it's a tough business to be in, but you have to really learn the business, really try to find a decent team. And if not try to find more importantly to work for someone else first, don't put it all on yourself. Right.
0: Learn, learn the skills and yes. don't, and it's okay to, it's okay to start small and not feel like you have to start, you know, at a certain success level because nobody does that. People no, don't, it doesn't, n- no it doesn't. one like wakes up over and has overnight success. Really, there's, everybody's got a
1: journey of how they got to where they are today. Exactly. And oftentimes we think that, you know, because so much generations now see someone who's youngish looking successful, they think they can be you tomorrow. They don't think, there's they don't want to do what is called a decent apprenticeship or internship. They don't want to. They just want to get there. And truth be told, it's very rare beings that really can jumpstart themselves off because they're so talented. And what they have at that moment is needed by an industry, whatever industry. I don't could be gaming. It could be anything. Well, gaming is much more interesting. But I mean, gaming, gaming, you, you know how to do that. You pretty much got a job. But at the end of the day, it's just more important to really have your skills. And I think going to work for another, whether you be a photographer, uh, a, a designer, it's so good to learn the craft underneath someone else and build, and then you can go off and spin and people will take you even more seriously.
0: Yeah, that's very true. Well, let me let me ask you about the voices who inspired you in your life. Who are the most significant if you could i'm sure there's so many but if you could pick a couple of people who really were role models for you that you either knew or didn't know who would those
1: people be hmm wow i don't really have role models i always try to think about that i have people along the way that really taught me and encouraged me but i never call them role models I mean, there are people in, in the garment business. If it wasn't for those people, I wouldn't be Beth Ann, I think, today. I wouldn't have had the opportunities I had. I wouldn't have had the opportunity to learn or that they took time to teach me. And I was in low end dresses and junior dresses and button factories and things like that until I went and started to get out and be with like a designer like Willie Smith and then Stephen Burroughs and on and on. But I don't, I mean, there are people who I do who, who really took me under the wing or educated me or gave me guidance. I wouldn't say mm-hmm. educate me, but, but gave me guidance. I don't, I don't, you know, even my father and my mother, I don't consider them role models because nothing that I do, I don't know anyone else has done. Mm-hmm. And I don't get, I get all the, the the wisdom from between my dad, my mother, my grandmother, you know, uh, the two Jewish women I worked for, the, the, the little Jewish woman that ran the Mardi Gras Marker Company. I mean, I can name those people and say those are the people who really gave me a foundation. Uh, or, you know, uh, Henry at, Cab- at at Cabot Button Company who who believed in me and took a chance. Those people, yes. But I, I look at them as as pillars of strength that t- gave me uh, a start and, and believe in me enough to educate me about the most smallest things that you would think wouldn't mean anything. To a lot of kids today but meant everything to become someone to now
0: that's the thing about being a trailblazer there is no path that has been created for you you have to create your own so hmm. I'm not surprised to hear you say that I also have not had role models particularly I've had many people that have helped me and guided me along the way but I never had role models because when I started out hosting live late night television at age 15, nobody else who looked like me was my age was doing it. So I was like, fuck it. I guess I'll, I'll, uh, I'll create the path for this one. It's you also, know,
1: as you say that it's very funny because for me too, like, you know, being someone who was a, a woman of color, primarily having a model agency that's, you know, you know, it's, you, you, you you're competing against your white counterparts. I, I don't have anyone I could go to and ask, How did you do this or how did you do that, even as a model agent, because what I was doing was so going to be so different, and i couldn't I couldn't go to Eileen Ford or you're the only person who really, really in that industry, I would say really had my back was Johnny Casablanca. Really, that he was I, if anybody I have to say, everybody, if they hear this, will say, Oh, she's leaving me out well. In this case, I'm telling the truth. I, I, you know, yes, I worked at an agency. Yeah, but then when I left, they tried to bury me. Yeah, yeah but Johnny always had my back. I mean, as a mom, he said, how dare you go up and start an agency? Where's that place? I said, on North He said, never heard of it. I said, I know. I'm trying to go someplace. He said, what are you doing? Why didn't you tell me you're interested in this? Why don't you come work for me? I, you know, I give you a job, and I said, I'm not looking for a job. I got to do this. He said you really got to do it on your own i said yeah he said okay and he had my back all wow. the time
0: i love to hear that story because i've heard a lot of stories about what a misogynist
1: he was so it makes not me at all he happy wasn't. to hear this no i don't believe that's true at all i've never felt that way about johnny i mean johnny was an attractive guy and he did he he was a you know and people were and he was charming you know but he really he did he said listen there was a. They had a whole thing with uh, model agencies where they had to, like a foundation, and you had to join. And he told me, "No, you don't join." He said, "You don't need to join." He said, "Anything you need to know, I'll call you and tell you." And he did. That way, there was nobody for me to join. And I'm so glad I didn't because when these women that wanted to sue all of the agencies, I wasn't a part of it. Hmm. <laughs> he, yeah. he he had my back all the time. He. I mean, and that's why it's crazy. Gerard Eileen was, I I mean, I knew him. He too was a supporter, but not like Johnny. Is it possible that someone could be a support to
0: you and also behave badly with women as well? Because that's very possible.
1: Yeah, it happens. It it, it does happen. It happens with me because, as Iman always says, but you always take up with the boys. Because when girls and guys fight and argue, I always try to see the guy's side of it, or I try to help the girl understand how she has to understand that, you know, come on, there's a lot of limitations on that side. You know, you gotta know what you're dealing with. It. She always says, you always seem to have an understanding, but no, I do, I, I, I do. it. I think sometimes I have people say, well, a, a lot of people respected you or they were afraid of you or they wouldn't dare. Yeah, nah, yeah. I guess it may be a, a combination of those many things but I know a few and there's one person I'm crazy about and I don't care what he does, how he does it. I'm going to help him. And if I got to sit down and have a, cause I know he's losing his, his, he's losing everything because of, of actions.
0: Yeah. Those are some of the um, more difficult and nuanced conversations that I too have been having with True. some guy friends of mine who um, are really navigating the impact of uh the the me too movement well public stories that are not necessarily quantified and i think that um it's very dangerous very very dangerous and on the on the other side if it's not handled correctly there'll be a lot of women who are afraid to speak up so i i live in hope that women will understand the significance of this moment in time where there's more of a flaw for us and to really respect that and not use it to you know
1: for, abuse for, abuse yeah it. yeah 100 yeah. percent. don't abuse the privilege because we need to keep it in play we do we really we really, keep really it do in play. it's very true
0: so Bethan, what are you what is exciting you now what are you focused on? What inspires you? Where do you think we have more work to be done? And where, where is the space that you want to be doing more work?
1: Okay, there are individuals that excite me now because I get inspired by silly things. Uh, Who are some of those people?
0: Well... Harry I... Styles. Okay.
1: <laughs> no, don't... <laughs> don't embarrass me, but Harry Styles, BTS. Aurora James, I, there, there are some kids out there that are doing things that, you know, they're down my neighborhood. They're in my neighborhood. She's got the 15% pledge, but she inspired me before she had the pledge. I mean, I, I like, I, there's, there are people who really do some interesting work and they care about things and they're they looking to make a difference. And I like that. Um, I like, I, 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 I love the fact that I have uh, created certain, Places for me to be and in those places that I've created for myself to be without even thinking I was doing that. I love the community that is there that gives me uh, support and, and, and inspires me. I love the places that I live because they're inspiring. Um, and I, I love, and I, I, I'm as life goes on, I am truly sort of taken with me too uh not me too me too but me myself <laughs> mm-hmm, yourself yeah I, yeah I am I I sort of I look at things I go wow and I and I the only thing I I'm sort of disappointed is that I start to be not as strong in my body mm-hmm. that I don't like not, not that the physical self not the internal mm-hmm. organs or anything um that I I uh the only thing I'm glad about is I still can make movement. I can still dance, do things like that. But I think it's, it's important. Uh, there are people who you really appreciate, you know, in many ways. Your friends, I, like a, my long-term relationship with Iman is very important. Even when we barely ever agree on hardly anything, sometimes when we're talking, which is David used to think was the funniest thing. And that you love us- each other. And you, yeah. can,
0: you can love each other and have different perspectives. And that's okay. That's
1: that's true. And this is true. And she, she cares very much about my time on earth. When I leave this earth, she wants to make sure all my ducks are in a row, things that who's taking care of, you know, because we're very real. We're both raised as Muslim kids, you know, so we, that's you know, beautiful. she's helping yeah. you prepare yeah. for yeah. when she's... it's your time to pass on. That's right. And we are, we're straight up about that. So it's not like people, that's beautiful. Oh yeah I think that the most important things right now for me is really uh lightning loads. I like to purge, get rid of clothes, get rid of things in the house when you've got too much stuff and uh, I think it's important and i and i just I just love uh i I, I like the respect that i'm given mm. and when well, it's not, I feel it's like crazy <laughs>
0: That's you know what Beth It has been such a treat for me to speak to you today i I have immense respect for you and I just have a lot of love for you and being able to speak to you a little bit today is such an honor. And I really just look forward to next time I can hug you and look into your beautiful face and, you know, know that we are connected.
1: Well, you know, our, we do have that. And, uh, we have that for a lot of reasons as you, and as we basically first started the conversations with our Nick, that's for sure. And uh, uh, I do want to see you when I'm out in the West, when you come East, we need to just break, uh, I don't, break that moment where we don't, and yet we think we will and just do. Okay. I will okay. make that
0: commit. I will make that commitment happily. And if you do, I'll get you a ticket. You know it. <laughs> you know it. I love you, Bethan. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to VS Voices. My thanks to today's guest, Ann Hardison. If you love our show, please comment, like, and subscribe to wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And as always, please follow me, Amanda Decadene, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you for listening. VS Voices is part of Victoria's Secret's ongoing commitment to become one of the world's leading advocates for women. To deliver on that promise together, we have created the Voices platform to do just that. Amplify the voices, represent the views, and learn from the unique perspectives of women from every background. Sharing stories bring us closer together, and it's how we move forward. Open up dialogue and raise the game.